0: Listener production. Hello, it's me, Ishla Carlson. You know what this is? It's the best of episode. It also means we made it to the end of the year, and we can now smell mince pies and clog arteries in the air. Get at me, sunshine. Shh. That's quite enough. Oh, just just shut your mouth. I don't oh, give that's a for It's shush, please. Uh, uh, yes, uh, uh, I can uh, hear, calm down, but, uh, but I don't care. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush. This episode unpacks what my famous friends were doing before they were famous, or what they would do as a backup career. You'll never guess Alex Dyson's dream occupation. Move over, Kevin McLeod. Hey, but if all of the jobs, because you got into, into radio so young, if there's one job, mm-hmm. anything, what would you pick job-wise to do?
1: Um, I might have gone with my second preference at university, which was architecture. Oh. I really quite like. Yeah, architecture, designing buildings and those kind of things. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like, Amazing. I really like that. I watch a lot of Grand Designs. Um, Grand Science. Designs New Zealand is very good, actually. You know, very you've got some good. great houses over there. Yes, oh my yes. They do some very good things. I
0: love the shows where they move the house, like existing yeah. house. like <laughs> yeah. Especially now, like after the pandemic, there's like a massive shortage of timber. There's a massive, mm-hmm. use these fucking houses that people want to bowl.
1: Get them, move them. Let's fix up. There was a new Zealand grand design one of they they put an old house out near Christchurch actually, yeah, yeah it's a very good episode, and yeah this the tr- you're got to do it at night, you're going around all these curves, just the yeah. logistics around it is is yeah diabolical, yeah, what was yours? Have you told yours yet?
0: Oh, no, I haven't i am um, I think I'd like to be a surgeon, but i I'm um, um, Shorter than the average bed, So I think because I'm 5'2", gotcha. so it would have to be one of those that would stand on a theme, mm. you know, on like a platform. Or so you could sort of like be harnessed a and
1: dropped from the ceiling. Or you could oh be my. like on those like acrobat ribbons, you know, those ribbons yeah. that those yeah, acrobats yeah. sort of fling down on.
0: <laughs> I once did a, a, a corporate gig and it was, you know, for like regional council or something, yeah. and it was just a bog standard corporate gig, right? And then I saw when I walked out, there's the rig and the ribbons to the floor, and I knew, ooh. And then so, so like you need you need to pay your shit. It's like, if you're gonna do entertainment, make sure you pair it nicely mm-hmm. with whatever like if you go, we're gonna have a comedian and we want to get something else, which to me, yeah. if you've already got one, Mm. Go with that. It's like, just because you've got the mu- amount of money for it, why don't you yeah. buy a new coffee machine for work instead <laughs> of doubling down on two? But that's just me. The person on the string, you know, the the, the thing going up and down, whatever you call it, yep. that that person, and it was a man, mm-hmm. wasn't with the other guy that they got who plays violin. So they had this violinist there, independent from the dude <laughs> swinging from the ceiling, and me. Now, I'm staying on With stage. With all your lesbian propaganda. Yeah, yeah, well, my, my gay agenda <laughs> coming for you. I'm just here to snatch posse. <laughs> Enjoy the veal. No, so, <laughs> so. I'm just, I'm just saying. And then the guy on the violin, so I go, so we have this guy mm. And this guy, so then the violinist starts to play. But, of course, they didn't even meet each other. I only found that out afterwards. He starts playing. And now the guy on the, the, the what do you call it, mm-hmm. starts going up and down. But they're completely out of sync. Like, oh, he's man. playing faster than he's playing. It, it just looked bizarre. And so at the end, I go, well, that was weird for everyone. All right. And then I just carried on. <laughs> I had to point, because people didn't know where to look. There was, yeah. you know, it's like, at least pick a song. Let them meet beforehand or whatever. So yeah. you need to, you know, maybe a bit of country dancing or something. A bit of line dancing with a comedian. Yeah, that would like work down.
1: better with a uh, Carlson comedy, for sure. Bit of line dancing. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Like mm. me. Me and I could break your heart, babe. <laughs> Two of the same. <laughs> we all know about Sam Taunton's talent as a comedian, a golfer, but who knew he also wanted to be a musician? Who knows, maybe he'll be on the next Lady Gaga album. Here's what Sam would choose as a career if the sky was the limit. So let me ask you, what is your dream, dream job? Like if you, someone said to you right now, oh my God, anything, my- it can be anything, like a golf pro or, you know, host, you, you take over the late show or, you know, whatever. What is your absolute
2: dream job? I think I would like to be a session guitarist. Yeah. You know, and just like play on like cool albums and stuff but never be in the limelight for being a musician but just like you get bought into the studio and you just get to play like fun guitar solos over things.
0: Yeah, like massively in demand and then years after you die, people go, did you know this guy, Sam Tottenham, played on so many different albums? Yeah. He was like on, you know, and then they just named like Lady Gaga. Totally. And the,
2: the Chicks and, the, you know. And I've done like, and all like all the cool like little, like Niall Rogers did like the riff on like Let's Dance by David Bowie, Stevie Ray Vaughan played the guitar solo. Like I'm a big guitar nerd. But it's like no one knows about them doing it. But it's like they're the ones yeah. that did all this, the cool stuff you listen to.
0: Yeah, and you just get paid millions and millions of dollars, and and sort of can just go play golf during the day. Oh you God, work yeah. like two days a month. That is the dream.
2: All my dream jobs don't involve comedy, which makes you think maybe I'm doing the like. Whenever <laughs> what could you do? I'm always like, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll be on a boat somewhere. <laughs> like none of it's being like <laughs> an hour every night. I go and talk to people.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I like I honestly I remember when I still worked in advertising, and I thought, fuck. I still have like 40 odd years of this shit. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: And 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 I mean, and I loved it. I loved working in advertising. I loved working in printing. I loved all of that stuff. But I was aware of how long I still had to go before I could retire so I could go play golf, so I could do shit. Now that I do this, like it is the best job I could imagine. What year did you start?
2: I started in 2014. I quit my job and then it all just kind of like lined up. But there is something about you saying to the universe being like, this is the thing I'm going to do. And then, you know, having faith in it kind of just working out. Yeah. It is bizarre. Yeah, but
0: see, see I reckon like, like opportunity can only work, you know, when people go, you have so many opportunities. Opportunities only work when you're available. Yes. Like opportunities present itself every day. Like a simple like um, I'm gonna go out tomorrow for um coffee with Andy Saunders and his wife, Deb right, yes. so opportunity presented itself. He goes, you should come walking with us in the mornings now, that could be down the track. Could have been the start of my weight loss story. People could ask me in <laughs> 10 years, how did you lose all the weight? And then I go, well, Andy Saunders says, come and walk with me and my wife, Deb. And I went, yeah, why not? And then I started walking with them, and then I got hooked on walking and then I lost all the weight. But when he said, you should come walking with us, I go, fuck no. I'll meet you at Brunetti's for a pie and a coffee.
2: But also the flip side of that and exactly what you're saying is like the, the power of saying no can sometimes be more power. you know what I mean? It's like what opportunities now are you going to get from saying no? You know, you said no to the yeah. walk, whatever, but maybe your morning is now free. Who knows what happens? Maybe you get a call from, um, I don't know. Oprah. Oprah, yeah, Oprah. Let's go big. Oprah, Oprah. Oprah's like, let's go big. Come on in. <laughs> like here, I here, only you've make got these IM calls. <laughs> <laughs> you've got a free morning. Come in. I think we start a show. Um, We're going to do a live yeah. world tour. Um, Thank God you're available yeah. for this 45 minutes in the morning because that was the only time I had a... Yeah, beautiful.
0: called Morning Chats.
2: <laughs> morning Chats. You and Oprah. Morning
0: <laughs> Morning chats for people who don't like to walk.
2: <laughs> <laughs> would your dream job be with Oprah? <laughs> Is that your dream job?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I used to say I want to be um, you know, the new Oprah, but now, you know, Ellen's leaving. Someone's got to take over. Oh my I'll, God, I'll you could job.
2: seamlessly do it. You could do the dancing in the aisles and like you also would be so similar to Ellen because you are like, I know you, and like you're very you come across very nice, but you're actually just a psycho. Like you just know, full when, bitch. Yeah, and you just like. Okay,
0: let's talk about Ellen. I want to <laughs> let's let's talk about that, right? Like, okay, so everyone's got a phone. In all those years that Ellen was a bitch, yep. apparently, not one audio recording.
2: Yeah, I know. Not
0: one little snippet of video. What a crock of shit! And is a coincidence that all this stuff about Ellen comes out just as the me too thing starts burning through the comedy community in America the minute they hit Louis C.K. they go but Ellen's a bitch to people
2: what about Ellen huh i also think yeah I'm fine with Ellen being mean, by the way. Like I don't have a pro- like like yeah. her, her name is. She's a boss. Her name is on the show. It's like if you were doing a show and then in big letters they had your name, but you're important. Like you're an important person. And, yeah, you can be like get me a chicken salad because if I don't eat, then the show doesn't go well and then no one's yeah. going to be like, like if the show gets cancelled because it sucks, no one's going to be like, well, she was very nice to everyone. They're going to be like Ellen sucks. Yeah. It's like she's allowed to be mean in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, how many people look at their bosses right now? Like, if you're listening to this podcast, I want you to think about your boss or your previous boss and go, how many of them were just fucking amazing? Or how many of them were power drivers that gave you the total shit? That's what bosses do. Exactly, and that's how results come in. She's firm with staff. Yeah. Sometimes she's a bitch. Please, I'm not even a boss and I'm a bitch (laughs) until some days.
2: But she's got to be because she's a woman in like a male-dominated workplace in entertainment. So, of course, she's got to be a psycho from day to day. Otherwise, people won't take her seriously.
0: Also, have you worked with comedians? Yeah, they're horrible. We are a fucking handful, mate. Like, we just want to fuck around and joke around all day and, and insult each other and mold sledging nine to five. So, of Literally course, she comes Literally before we and
2: started, your producer, is James, you just go, fuck off.
0: <laughs> in a jovial way. You are,
2: Ellen. I'm going to cancel you like Ellen. I've recorded this. I've got receipts. You're going downwards. <laughs>
0: Ross Noble doesn't have a backup plan. Comedy is his one true love. But he sure did work a heck of a lot of jobs before his big break. One of the most interesting parts of his career recap is why one of his first comedy shows was covered in meat. Can't say I've had the same, Ross. Hi, how many,
3: how long have you, you've done comedy for like 30, 30 odd years. Yeah, well, that's the mad thing. Yeah, my my eldest daughter's 13 now. Yeah. And uh, and I yeah, I look at her and just think, how would I feel if in two years' time, yeah, I started when I was 15, if in two years' time, my daughter turned around and went, oh, "I'm going to go to comedy clubs every night and uh, make drunk people laugh, Yeah, so yeah, I'm 45 in uh June no I'm 46 in June so yeah, whats yeah, we're the same we're the same age. there we go. And like yeah. we're the same vintage, that's what I said, and like yeah.
0: we're sort of on the same path, we're sort of parallel, same yeah. time, but different. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just I thought like I read how you started, and I just thought I know you would have told this story a million times, but if you could share with people how you started, I just think it's yes. amazing.
3: So I was crap at school. I'm dyslexic, but I was good at I was a good performer. You know, I was a good. Well, I was a good talker. So I taught myself to juggle, and I became a. I used to do like street shows, like busking, you know. Yeah. And then uh, I would do it at the weekends. I would go off. And uh, I would do a street show, pass the hat around, make a load of money. And I just went, well, I've got a job now. And my plan was I was going to do that. I was basically going to do I was going to leave school and I was just going to travel the world doing street shows. And I, I was looking at I was going to make more money doing this than I can from, you know, if you make 500 quid in a day, it's sort of like you've got to work a few days and you, you're set up, you know. Yeah. So, And then I won some tickets to see a comedy show. And when I was 14, because I used to ring into the local radio station and because uh, no one ever rang in. It was all old ladies listening in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. So like I used to ring in, I would win all the time. I was getting all these like, uh, you know, VHS you know, tapes and uh, T-shirts and stuff. And then um, I won tickets to see a comedy show. I was 14 and I said to my dad, I went, I've won these tickets. I didn't tell them how old I was. You'll have to take me because I'm only 14. And we went along and I watched that show and I just went, that that's, that's what I should be doing. And um, so then I went to my local comedy club and did five minutes. And I wasn't old enough to be in there. So they had to, because of the licensing. You know, I say licensing laws, but it's kind of child labor laws, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I went on and I did the show. And you could only, because they were having a problem with the licensing people, you could only do entertainment if you serve food. So when you walked in, you'd hand over your ticket and they would give you a plate, uh, like a paper plate, and they'd scoop some chilli con carne onto the plate. <laughs> no, I don't want that. And I well, you have to take it. Because legally, we have to serve it. it was- you'd think a sausage roll would be the way to go. Yeah, but I think they were, but the cost of the sausage rolls, you know, per person, whereas cheap meat that was straight out the back of a van. Oh, my. And then, uh, so people would get this food and then they'd just chuck it on the floor. They just like throw it, you know, to discard it. So when I walked to the stage, my first ever gig, I walked to the stage and I remember just looking down and seeing just meat smeared (laughs) all over the floor. And I thought, I'm in showbiz now. And, um, yeah, and I did that. And then I was, that was, and then that was my job. You know, I sort of, somebody came up to me after that gig and went, come and do my gig. And then I went and did that gig and I got another gig from that. And within about, I don't know, probably within about two or three months, I was earning enough to not need to to be in education anymore. (laughs) So I left school and off I went. And then then that was 31 years ago. And, uh, yeah. Still banging it out.
0: Danielle Walker by far had the craziest job history. This is one of my favorite stories from this season and possibly from my life or her life. It involves a dog retreat, a pelican, and a chihuahua. I told you it was crazy. What's the funniest thing that has ever happened to you on a job?
4: Oh, uh, once there was a you know those extras who come on ad sets? Yeah. Um, once there was an extra, and his name was Daniel. And I'm Danielle. And extras, you know how they're usually kind of a bit crazy because they're like, this is my big break. Yeah, they're (laughs) they're really, really (laughs) fucking crazy. (laughs) And me and the other guy were practicing our lines or whatever. And then the guy who was doing it with me said, Danielle, this, oh, that's your line. And then this guy, Daniel, popped up out of nowhere and was like, my line? My line? And he was like, I didn't know I had a line. Instead mm-hmm. of like really, he was like, "You gotta get me a script," and then we had to let him down and say, "Oh no, my name's Danielle," and oh, I did love that the extra going full crazy. Yeah, you
0: wouldn't have believed you initially when you go, "It's not you." He'd go, "Oh, it's probably a fucking spelling mistake on that script." Yeah, she's trying to take yeah. it away from me. Fucking woman, bitch. Yeah. yeah, coming in taking his job.
4: Oh. Is this outside of comedy too, before comedy? Yeah, whenever. It, Just oh, the funniest right. shit ever. Oh, well, that's great because the dog boarding kennel I worked at, that was definitely the best one for all time. Once a pelican flew into the little dog area and was trying to eat all the little dogs, like get them in oh their gullet. Oh,
0: that's amazing.
4: It was so good. And then the owner, like he came in and he was like seven foot tall and he was a horse dentist by trade and he was like trying to fight this not fight, but, like, get rid get of this pelican. Yeah. And they were having, like, a, a showdown, and the pelican was, like, getting its beak, and they got these tiny little serrated beaks as well. Yeah. And we had to get it out before it ate a chihuahua or something. Oh, and that was, like, uh, one of the greatest moments of my life. Imagine you you leave your dog
0: at this dog kennel. Like, I leave my dog at a place called Canine Heaven, which is, like, a, a spa like retreat for dogs when I go away for like a month. But it's the worst name for a place because then people go, where's Molly? And I go, she's a canine heaven. And they're like, we're so sorry. I'm like, no, no, it's a spa. Like it's really cool. But uh, worst fucking name. But I just imagine if I leave my chihuahua somewhere and then a pelican comes in just randomly and eats my dog, and then I show up to pick them and they go, look, um, so little Gibraltar, because that's what I'll call my chihuahua. little <laughs> Gibraltar's not here because a pelican came in and ate it. And I was like, no, you're fucking lying. I want to know where my dog is. <laughs> and unless you've got that on CCTV, I will never fucking believe that a random pelican came in and ate my dog. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'd never thought about that. Yeah. The fact
4: that it does sound so fake.
0: Yeah, it's like, you fucking lost my dog, bitch, or you sold it. I want my dog.
4: Yeah. Get Gibraltar. We could sell some good ones and make a really good profit probably at that place.
0: Yeah, because people wouldn't send their munted dogs. Like, you probably wouldn't get a lot of half-breed fucking one-tooth wonders in there.
4: It'll be the top-shelf dogs. Oh, yeah. We got some Newfoundlands. We got some, like, dogs you'd never seen before at the pet resort I worked at, and, yeah, I, like, know every dog breed from that place. Those Basenjis, those weird, you seen them? They're, like, no. these cat-type dogs. Ooh, they don't no. even bark. They, like, sort of howl, scream, and they climb like cats, so they'd never be at the bottom of the pen. They'd be at the top on the door, yeah. sort of holding on, like, oh, seven feet above your head. Yeah, they were really Sounds weird. Good. But dogs do die at boarding kennels just by people bringing in their old dogs. Yeah. It's, like... Yeah, you know, if you had, I don't know who the oldest person in the world is, but if they came and stayed with you for long enough, they're bound to die sooner or later. Once we had a Great Dane die, he was so old and he was so big and we had to get a forklift in to get him out. Well, I can tell you that your Gibraltar is being looked after because only animal freaks work at those places. Yeah,
0: no, I think, you know, because at Canine Heaven, they've got CCTV footage footage. And you can log in and see your dog. But also they post stuff on um, their Facebook page. And oh. let me tell you, I've never seen my dog so happy. I'm going to show you a photo <laughs> of her now. It's like whenever I see her on there, I'm like, you motherfucker. And they dress them up for like stuff that you go, I, I don't need to see my dog in bunny ears for Easter. This is her in her bunny costume.
4: Are you sure that's a, that's not a hour? surely?
0: No, no, no. No, I don't have one of those. I've got a real fucking dog. No, I said, if I, her name's Molly. If I had a real,
4: if I had a Chihuahua. Oh, okay. If you will, had a Chihuahua, it'd be called Gibraltar.
0: <laughs> no, this is this is Molly May. Okay, I was like, that's a big ass Chihuahua. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we <laughs> eat well in my family. <laughs> <laughs> is
4: she in like a cabin? Type yeah. Situation. Yeah. yeah,
0: and and they get they they have pools. There's a pool, yeah. and 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 she can swim all day every day. It's on a farm.
4: Oh yes, this does sound very similar to what I had. Yeah. When I worked there, it was it was genuinely the dream job, and I, I would go back if it paid more than it did. God, is that
0: the only other job you you've had as a, a pre comedy?
4: Oh no, I worked. That was my first job, and I was there from like fourteen till. Uh, seven, no, 14 till 18 I was there. Yeah. And then I was at Sanity Music and then I was at Telstra in the call centre and then I moved to London. I was a nanny for two years and then I moved oh, back wow. and I was a receptionist at a doctor's eye surgery, which I got to see some good stuff there because I love gross stuff and that was yeah, good. So. Yeah, just, I want to go
0: work, oh. work with a friend, shadow work, and she's a doctor in the emergency room. I want to go work with her for a week and go, I'll be like an orderly. I'll be your assistant. I'll do anything. Just let me come to work with you, but you won't. I'm not, because yeah. uh, I'm not discreet at all. I will talk oh. about everything I see. Oh,
4: okay. That, I mean. I won't name anyone, but I will
0: fucking talk about everything. Are Chrissy Swan and I long lost sisters? Because we had almost identical careers before we got into comedy. And that's also our plan B. That and the fact that we both love doing laundry and HB pencils. niche I know. Take a listen. Like, you know, whenever I see you, we always have a good yarn. Mm. But then when I read up about your background, I'm like, I think we potentially were twins in a past life. I think so. Like, we have a very similar sort of, except for the start. So how did you start in the entertainment industry? Well, I...
5: I started, uh, my first time on television was on Big Brother 19 years ago. And then after that, it was back in the day that, you know, reality TV was new and huge and opportunities came for some lucky contestants. I I mean, I don't know. No,
0: not some lucky contestants, contestants who have a skill set and talent.
5: And was on the show. Well, I didn't have the skill set or talent. I was a copywriter. I had no idea about anything. I was just a. No,
0: but with skill set, I mean like chutzpah, you know, where you just go, I can make this shit happen. Like I think you can train someone anything if they have that thing in them to go, I can succeed at this. I know. Mm. You just need to show me the right. Do you know what? I think what helped me the
5: most was my love of risk. Because when I I did the show and it was a risk and then I was only doing it as a joke for my friends and then I fully intended to just go back to my life because I loved copywriting and I'd worked very hard to get there. And um, when Mike Perso, who now does Breakfast on another Melbourne radio station, he's an old radio guy, been around for a million years, when he contacted me and said, look, would you consider doing radio, I went, no, my God, I've got, I don't know how to do that. And I was already 30, so I was finished, I thought, you know, with my career stuff. And then I just couldn't get it out of my head and he kept on calling and saying, look, we're starting off this regional radio station in Queensland and we'd really love you to do the breakfast show. And I said no a few times and then I just couldn't sleep thinking, I would really regret not giving it a go and what's the worst that could happen? I couldn't do it or I was bad at it yeah. or whatever, I hated it. But it turned out I I loved it. I loved it. I was really lonely in Queensland but I loved the job and I loved um I loved doing radio. I just loved it.
0: No one says, and like you say, you love copywriting, right? I was the same. I was thirty-two when I started doing comedy, right? And and I was the same. Like they go, I did it once off as a thing for work, where my mate said, "You have to do it. You have to do it." So he booked it in. I did it as a, you know, just a bit of fun for mates, right? And then it just kind of took off. And I'm like, oh no, no, no! I'm not. I don't want that. I know nothing about comedy. You know, I'm not interested. I'm, I love my job and I do. I, to this day, I still design. I'm busy making a, a pamphlet for a friend who's a stylist right now.
5: Isn't that great? When did you, yeah. because in the back of your mind, you would have been saying, oh, at any point, this comedy thing's going to fall over and I can go back to design. I still say that. How long ago did you think, oh, I don't reckon I'm going back to design?
0: No, I'm still in that phase where I'm like, I could go back. Yeah. I could go back today. Like I say, a few years ago, a friend of mine, um, she's Australian and her mum died suddenly and she's the studio manager for Ogilvy. I used to work at Ogilvy. Me too? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And then she found me and she's like, can you come and cover for me? Because I was like, she got of took over from me. So I said, yeah, I can, I've got two weeks, so I can clear my schedule. I went and she came over to Australia for her mum's funeral and I mean, that was like three years ago and I loved it. Yeah. I was like, if if something happened now and they go, look, you can't do comedy or anything related to it, I'm like, okay. I've kept up my Photoshop subscription just in case. Isn't yeah. that
5: great? Isn't it great? I, I just remember feeling so lucky because it took me a while to find something I wanted to do. I tried a few things. I tried primary teaching and I tried a psychology degree and none of them were any good. And I had this burning desire to work in advertising, but I thought the industry was too cool for me. I thought I just wouldn't, I'm such a dag and everyone who works in advertising is so gorgeous and cool. And yeah, I don't know. I just thought it's not for me. And also it takes some guts to admit that you're a creative person. Yeah. You know, you don't, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. That that you do need that 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 makes your soul shine. So, yeah. I did some courses and got some jobs and then I got really great jobs in advertising. And I just remember feeling so relieved and proud of myself that I'd found something to do with my career that I really enjoyed. Yeah. And a lot of that had to do with the people that I worked with as well. And to this day, I feel the same way about radio and TV, that the people that I'm working with, I just feel so grateful that I get to talk to them and that, you know, we get to have amazing conversations and they're funny and interesting and you know, I get to hear their opinions. and I think that's been a big part of my joy from working in advertising and now in showbiz, yeah, is, um, you know, the off air times with amazing people like you. Like I just love you, and I can't believe that through my job, I get to meet you. and we sat in the green room before the outside broadcast at Nova, and I just yeah. I just feel so lucky
0: that yeah. I, I have these colleagues as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of That's Enough Already, hosted by me, Ursula Carlson, and produced by Natalie Turner, supervising producer was Nick McClure, and special thanks to Ala Leaf and Big Sutherland. Couldn't do it without you, gals. If you like this podcast, remember to subscribe, share it with all of your friends, tell your mum, tell your sister, don't tell that annoying brother of yours, you know. But definitely share it with a friend.